The following is brought to you by TheKnowledge.com, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for August 20th, 2021. It's your old pal, Justin Robert Young. You know, every once in a while when I do interviews, I I try to keep them at 30 minutes because I think it makes for a better I am a better interviewer at 30 minutes because I'm not waiting for things to develop. I'm trying to push the questions that I want to push. I'm trying to get to the information that I want to get to. And there's a little wiggle room for us to kind of meander, but it is to the point. However, sometimes I have conversations that just naturally wind up going a little bit longer. And such is this episode. Kevin Ryan, who is a favorite on this show, I know a lot of you guys really enjoy our back and forths, uh, is back, and this will be the entire show. We begin uh, with a very simple yet complex question. What is the morality of America's foreign policy from a meta level, the meta-America? And then what is the morality for us, the cells, that make up the body. As you might imagine, we go all over the place. Uh, (laughs) French postmodernism philosophy, Kanye West, the nature of truth, the, the, the line between gossip and news. There's a lot that we cover. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. I know I enjoyed it. So uh, this is a little bit more of a weighty one. You know, maybe it's something that uh, you can you can chew on over the weekend. But uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and begin an hour long conversation between myself and Kevin Ryan. But first, welcome to the show, Kevin. Good to be here, man. I have had this idea, and it was an idea... Well, no, I've had two things that I really wanted to talk to you about. Uh, uh, One is the the forever delayed release of Donda, the new album by Kanye West, for which he's had two listening parties and we've done most of our texting about. But I've wanted to kind of have a larger conversation about the 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 spiritual agony and ecstasy of being a Kanye West fan as he puts out a new album, which are perpetually late and sometimes don't happen. Uh, uh, but I will spare our audience uh, of who is probably not quite the yay fans that 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 we are that particular hour long convo. Oh, yeah. And instead, we will go into something a little lighter: the morality of American foreign policy. Uh. This is something that that in all in all honesty, I've really been kind of curious your perspective on because it's brought up the the ending of the occupation in Afghanistan and and whatever you want to call it, nation building, war, a mission that that crept along and expanded in its purpose for for two decades. It's now at an end. And and I think it really is the final moment of this epic that began at 9-11 and now 20 years later is kind of at the end. And and the feelings that I had as a, a young man in my, my early 20s watching the Iraq war in Afghanistan and watching the reactions that my friends had was one of confusion of, of what is the role of American foreign policy and and let's understand that in a post-Vietnam, no one's getting drafted. The only people that are going are people that are volunteering to go, even if it is maybe a little bit aggressive because they have a recruiter come into their job at Subway while they're taking out the trash. And next thing you know, they're out in the desert. But <laughs> now that it's done, all these feelings are kind of back. 
and I still don't know what to do with them. So let me just ask you this beyond the specifics of the political machinations, beyond the 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 Taliban and George W. Bush and Donald Rumsfeld and Rambo playing soccer with the Mujahideen, like <laughs> beyond all of that, what is the moral role of America's foreign policy as a superpower that believes in democracy and freedom, at least nominal, at least nominally. And, and let's understand compared to other superpowers that have our kind of budget, we're probably the leader in that field. Uh, oh, big time. Like what, what is the moral responsibility of us as the, 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 the Royal us. And then as a citizen, one cell in this, in this larger body. So as is our uh, habit, I'm going to start with a couple of like, uh, like thoughts. Go, uh, go. Yeah. Let's just, uh, we, we don't have to address it head on. Uh, we're going to, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to start wide and we're going to go even wider. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> there absolutely. We go. It's uh Sagan style. Yes. Cosmos approach. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm actually going to point to France and, and, and uh, two specific philosophers. Yeah. One that I've been really diving into Simone wheel. She's tremendous. She was, she went to, uh, she went to school with, Simone de Beauvoir and she, she knew Sartre and she was connected to all of those existentialist philosophers who, who survived the war, but she didn't survive the war. And she, like, actually none of her work was published during her lifetime. She, she, uh, but she, she's an existentialist philosopher who looks at, um, looks at these things, looks at questions like these of morality from, she has a socialist background but she's also deeply religious. Okay. So she's like T.S. Eliot described her as like uh, more interested in hierarchies than anyone willing to call themselves a conservative. And then more interested in the goodwill of the people than anyone who would call themselves a socialist. Uh, she wrote this essay titled uh, in defense of the abolition of political parties. Okay. It's something to that effect. Uh, but it's an argument that she she lays out in in defense of getting rid of political parties. And her basic idea is that all human action should be directed toward goodness. And she defines goodness. And I'm just kind of rushing through the Sure. The, yeah. Yeah. Argument. Go ahead. But her um, her idea is that any sort of political parties lead to uh, authoritarianism or, or like totalitarianism. And that because of that, that we should avoid any sort of collectivity. She, she like this dislikes the collectivity, which is kind of funny for a, a, for a socialist. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, um, so that's part of it. That's part of what I'm thinking about this situation. In the other one is a, um, a French philosopher who came along two, you know, two decades later, Jean Baudelaire, uh, who uh, came up, he wrote this book called Simulacra and Simulation. And it is the philosophical, matri- uh, the philosophical basis for the matrix. Okay. And he, uh, he, he, also wrote this uh, this uh, book arguing, or he wrote three articles, one before the Gulf War, uh, which was titled, The Gulf War Will Not Happen. One during, he said, The Gulf War Is Not Happening. And then one after, he said, The Gulf War Did Not Happen. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that idea, his idea there is that, like, our reality has become so mediated that we don't have contact with something like the Iraq war or the Gulf war rather just like, uh, and we can apply that to this situation that it's sort of like uh, one of the other examples he uses is Disneyland. Yeah. He says that Disneyland is the reality and L- LA is the simulation. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a postmodern thinker. So, so, so all right, this is an interesting idea. So the, the, I, we do not have me and you, Kevin and Justin, do not have a relationship with the war in Afghanistan. We have a relationship with the simulation and the mediated, uh, uh, pr- the product that was created from 
the war in Afghanistan, which might have trace elements of the truth, but there is no guarantee that it is all there. And and beyond even a conversation of, you know, truth versus fabrication, the fact that it is manufactured is proof that it is a simulation of something that is happening elsewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, it, okay. it's it's highly mediated and it all relates to actually instead of inf- instead of truth it's a matter of communication and information and in a society that's suffering from information fatigue yeah uh it's a problem it's a problem because we lack and this this is sort of like the excuse that media theorists use uh, well, they say well it's not our job that you like you can't identify fake news which i think most people can but uh, what you need is media literacy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, so we're blaming the victim here. Of course, no, no, it is, it is the uh, uh, you're holding it wrong of of, of media <laughs> criticism. <laughs> yeah, well said. So no, no, no. All right, so so we have these these two ideas. Number one, that we need to to understand, or at least from from your first philosophical perspective that we are all individuals and maybe we we should uh, 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 disambiguate, if that is a word, our, ourselves oh, yeah. from the larger collective whole, be it America, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, conservatism, liberalism, socialism, whatever, that we need to understand that we are free radicals and 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 we should not feel the pressure or pull or responsibility of these larger groups. And then the other idea that what we understand as this conflict is just us looking at the glare of the television and presuming that that tells us something real, like that 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 we have a handle on it. So we a it sounds like like the 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 connective tissue there is that we need to understand that our pull for responsibility, our pull for morality, is about these things: our collective need to be part of a whole, or our desire to be informed, and therefore finding whatever we can to to kind of make us smarter, even though that might not be exactly what's happening and everything might be far more complex or simple than we think it is. So the, the postmodern way to say this, uh, what what you just said, or a version of what you just said, is like the uh, idea of deterritorialization, which is especially accurate to this situation. But I also... Like it's important because you asked me about the morality, yes, the, like the moral valence of this situation, which I, which when we're talking about morality, it's easy to like intellectualize, but I think what we should put foremost is like the very human reality, the very like even down to like the atomic or the the individual level of uh a group of people who are terrified right now. So like the actual people of Afghanistan, like yes. how, how that's, I mean, it, the, the impression I get is that the Taliban taking over Afghanistan is not a good thing for most people, like an overall bad well, thing. Right. I, I think, I think we would say that it is bad for the people that we identify with. And and by that, it would be people who either value or yearn for a Western-style democracy. And we can identify that with, you know, uh, uh, you know a- a- everything from philosophical thought to Lee Greenwood songs on, on why <laughs> that is important or good. Uh, but that's who we... That's who we identify with. And I think if, if there is a moral pang of watching people painting over Victoria's Secret display windows and uh, the fact that, you know, through through my Twitter feed yesterday, it was a bunch of female friends talking about the plight of uh, uh, Afghani women. And, and you know, I think the, 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 the Twitter thing that went viral was the Taliban saying that they would honor women via Sharia law, which if anybody takes that <laughs> as a positive thing, I would encourage you to read more. Um <laughs> Like th- that's what that's what we latch on to. We're not latching on to what is oftentimes, if not a a majority, but certainly a prevailing sentiment in the region, which is no, there needs to be a a a, a 
adherence to Islamic law. There needs to be a, a greater connection to community and religion. And, and that's what makes us a, a, a more prosperous society. We don't identify with that. And, and people who do might look at it and say, thank God, the, 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 you know, the, the, the American occupiers are out yet another gravestone in the graveyard of empires, put them, you know, right, right between the Soviets and the British and, uh, uh, you know, right in front of Alexander the great, let's, let's uh, get geared up for when China tries to do this in the next 10 years. Yeah, no, that's a, that's an excellent point. Like that sounds like an argument for like, Hey, just leave them alone. No, I, I don't think so. And that, and that again, brings me back to the moral thing is that America is a strange beast in, <laughs> in the world scope, largely because we are so influential and so rich, but also because built into our DNA is the idea of a breakaway colonial Republic that made good like, uh -huh. and, and, and is, is in constant churn with our own uh, uh, political philosophy that is kind of constantly at war with ourselves. And that's the point. The point is that we are, we are, we are uh, uh, wailing and gnashing our teeth and that that's a better system than stability. That is a better system than something where we can give away part of our determination so everything can continue to be running on time. Uh, and so if that's the case, which is a very tempting, I mean, look, if America was, if, 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 if America was selling timeshares called freedom, like it's, it's a really attractive pitch, right? Cause step one, think you're free. Everybody can do it. Right. Everybody around the world, no matter your station in the bottom billion to Jeff Bezos up in space, you, too, can take the first step toward freedom by literally just thinking that you are free. And at that point, we move on to the idea of where your political uh, you know, where your government is and, and how much we should be backing you. But at the same time, how can we do that if we do not intervene? And, and more specifically, if we get into the kind of like more. Kissinger philosophy of it. Like if everybody else is intervening, how is it moral for us to not like, like we are not in, in a world where the, this is a placid lake and we are the only ones dropping rocks into it. Yeah. Every it's a hailstorm, and we are trying to do our best to throw medicine amongst the, the concussion causing objects. <laughs> it's man. It's so funny how you and I are connected on these like these uh, thoughts, like even the things we don't talk about, um, you know, in between shows, or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, so the thing that stands out to me is this, this like Americanized idea of freedom, which is like, uh, um, you know, we're living in uh, an American. Our zeitgeist is distinctly American. Yes. Like that's uh, uh, that'll just be remembered. That's how we will be remembered as part of the the American years. Uh, so what, one of the interesting parts of that, one of our contributions is a, a, like an alteration or a sort of an elongation of the, the definition of freedom, like so much so that you can't really like, you can't really like the same way you think of like Pax Romana. Yeah. And like, uh, I think that's been one of our con contributions, but it's not an entirely good one. Like it's, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it's so nuanced. Like we've, we have to like reevaluate what the, the definition of freedom is because it does involve situations like, uh, the freedom of the American U S embassy staff to be lifted out of the embassy <laughs> in a helicopter. Yeah. Like, uh, to what extent is that a freedom that we should consider uh positive? You know, I forget what philosopher it was, who political philosopher who's who like broke freedom. Uh, Isaiah Berlin, who broke freedom into positive and negative freedom. Um, so I don't know. I, I, that's that was a little off track, but no, no, no. I think I think <laughs> the 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 concept of I guess really the more we talk about it, the more it kind of breaks down. Is there an elemental? low harm, high reward 
thing that the United if, if are right, here. Let me let me let me take one step back. If the United States, by its very founding and the fact that we are at the position we are in the world as the world's foremost superpower, uh, uh, and certainly the world's foremost superpower that advocates for democracy and and by that extension freedom, uh, is there a what is the most high reward, low risk way that we can practice what we preach and stand with allies or with people around the world that also seek our shared goals? Uh, I think we have and we have vacillated greatly on this. Yeah. We, have, we have gone from, OK, uh, uh, well, interventionalism. Right. And that's that's. Kissinger, that's that's, you know, any any number of uh, that's the neoconservatives in, in the aughts, you know, the idea that, no, we need to go there. We need to kill the people that are knocking <laughs> that, that are stopping yeah. this. We need to build uh, uh, schools. We need to put uh, we need to make sure that we hold their hands through an election. We need to uh, put a lot of money in their hands. We need to give guns to the good guys or at least the people that we think they're the good guys right now. And and we need to set them up and and let's spin that top and let's let's see how it goes. And, you know, if we look at the fruits of our labor o- over the most recent spite of that. Iraq's government does still stand. Sure. It's, it's been, you know, the, the, the weebles might wobble, but thus far they have not fallen down. Afghanistan was grand opening, grand closing uh, of, you know, from, from the moment that we were, that we were thinking about getting out of there. So uh, description. it is, it is, you know, a, a, a shoddy thing, but then, okay. So what are the, what, what are our alternatives? We have economic uh, support. So now we're not going in, I guess in the middle, we have like the Clintonian idea that we'd never put boots on the ground. We just shoot missiles, which uh, didn't wind up being all that popular either, uh, nor particularly effective. Uh, Then we have the idea of, okay, it's economic support. So let's give money to the people that we believe are the good guys. Let's let's take money away or punish or sanction people that we believe are the bad guys. And we do that all the time. Or there's just kind of the, the Fortress America stuff, which you know, uh, has not particularly been in vogue in the last 70 years or so, but certainly has always been a part of the American political lexicon, which is to say the best thing that we can do is nothing at all is live yeah. our life. And, and look, the, the, the world is brutal and ugly. And if, if, if people want to come to us and ask for, you know, aid, then maybe we consider it, but we should not be, 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 uh, venturing beyond our borders, uh, to, to support or interact and certainly not to intervene militarily. And I mean, I don't know, man, I, I don't, I, I think that we, we have just lived through a particularly acute example of the most, uh, uh intense version, or at least the most intense comparatively version of, of this kind of thing, because we haven't certainly gone full British empire. We're not like, you know, we, we didn't make the, the 51st and 56 states of, of America in Iraq and Afghanistan, like, like the old Brits would have, but like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know where America in general should be. Uh, and I don't know where, where I should feel about it aside from just, you know, everybody dies frustrated and alone. And that's beautiful. Oh yeah. Either yeah. way, that's a, that's <laughs> never a bad outcome. I mean, that's the only outcome. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I would, I don't know, like I'm having a hard time di- divorcing my, my sort of personal leanings from which I try not to do uh, from what I think America should do at this point. And I think it's that last one, the sort of libertarian uh, and not left, right libertarian, just like, libertarian like i own a grill libertarian yes right down yes, the middle yes. like uh i think that would be the most american thing to do just like kind of chill I, and i think after trump that's what everybody has was hoping for is like hey let's just have a little bit of like of a vacation yeah. uh from but uh, and of course this is life you don't you don't actually get vacations in life <laughs> which is which is like which is great that's that feeds the excitement of it uh but it life has been this weird blend of dystopian and soap opera in a way that's uh that can be sort of exhausting uh yeah the, 
it's uh but, but that but that gets back to the to, to, to the to the philosophical line of thought that you had mentioned before which is that how much are we just consuming a a again the the the, the glare from the television and and believing that that we're actually looking through a window or believing we're actually seeing something with our own eyes when we're not you know how how much of our frustration is filtered through our allegiances is filtered through our, our 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 beliefs that we're not really you know if i here's what i will say and i will only put myself into it i won't even say anybody else but i know i've read like uh, at least two books on afghanistan and i yeah. didn't make it through either of them i made it through about half of it and then i got bored there was something else sparkly in front of my face and i and i <laughs> walked to it i don't know the reality of what the the Afghanistan conflict was and and again I've read a, a journalism about it from pre nine eleven I have uh, uh, tried to educate myself on it but even if I had gotten through those books I think I might have had a, a glimpse I, I think if I would have been boots on the ground in Kabul I probably would have understood more in seventy two hours than I would have been reading books for twenty years and and that's uh, I guess all of that, you know, factors into if I'm if I'm having this this grandiose idea about morality of where America is, then really this is just a meta concept built upon a bunch of filtered messages that I'm creating a, a simulation of what I believe the world is, what I believe a random citizen wants, and, and not and not reality. So how can I even begin to craft a solution? So he, here's what I I agree, and that's sort that's like part of our daily dialogue as Americans with the media, with reality, where, uh, where things, and I think uh, to add to your idea about like, like diving into the historical um, elements of Afghanistan, that only involves a lot of times that just involves like looking at Afghanistan, the, the country, not even like the cultural no. realities of that region like which are just enmeshed so one thing that that i would add is like the the sort of visceral element is important in that like uh you have you ever read any sebastian younger i've not no so he did a documentary um where he embedded in the Korangal valley during when it was the deadliest place on earth in afghanistan with a bunch of Marines. And uh, I actually, I talked to him at a, a, a literary conference. Uh, I actually picked him up from the airport and we were chatting about mm-hmm. what it was like. And his sort of like controversial idea is that like the, the troops and even the civilians during a war find greater meaning. In, in, they find their tribe. Tribe is the word that he uses. That's the name of one of his books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in these like in the connection of uh so basically like the idea that catastrophes bring us together sort of thing which uh is kind of a bad model because it's like what we should be able to get along all the time really and we shouldn't rely on disasters uh but there's one thing that we we can't uh ever forget is like the tremendous loss of life that goes that went into this this sort of it's like the idea of like that Thomas Pynchon says that there are typewriters in Washington D.C. that are responsible for the deaths of of more uh, men than any any one person could uh, lay out. You yeah. know. Well, I mean, and that's you know to, to 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 bring it into the 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 very recent. It was something that I found particularly tacky in in Biden's comments uh, that I pointed out in the Wednesday episode was. You know, blaming the Afghan mili- oh, yeah. uh, military when it's like bad we, optics, we, Joe. We 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 lost <laughs> two thousand, I think seven hundred people was was one of the counts that I saw, and that's a tremendous loss of life. And we should always understand that that's around what we lost in nine eleven, which is the reason why we were there uh, to begin with. Also, the Afghan military lost seventy thousand, seventy thousand wow. people died as part of the Afghan military. So it's like, you know, even then. We have this, you know, I was just in Mexico where I was very excited to spend money in pesos because you get more value when when it's in pesos than it's in dollars. But even 
in wars, it feels like lives have exchange rates that, 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 that we are, that we are, are like, well, you know, we lost 2000 Americans. Jeez. I mean, 70,000 Afghans died, but like, you know, like for 2000 Americans, oh man, <laughs> like those are 2000 personal seat licenses at the local football stadium. Like, like, can you imagine <laughs> the loss of value? Like, uh, uh, th- there's, there's a weird, a weird way that we understand I mean, even I guess this is to your point of of us, all of our understandings are kind of so filtered that we don't even realize it, that that's just something we 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 understand and and accept. And it shapes our political world that shapes so much. Quick pause here so we can pay the bills and you guys help us pay the bills by heading on over to takepoliticsseriously.com. If you head on over to takepoliticsseriously.com, you have the option to support our Patreon. You know, something that we don't, um, we don't mention a lot is that we do have our big tent tier. So if you just want to give a buck an episode, just that simple buck an episode, just to make sure that this show continues rolling. You can do so. Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Get in the big tent. And then whenever we do any kind of Patreon-specific or exclusive or early kind of a a podcast, then you will be on the list for that. And you will get any communication that we send out to the, the body politic of Patreon. Of course, if you want the weekly exclusive episodes, you got to get in on the $3 tier. Uh, that will get you the bonus episode on Thursday, the late edition. And... The bonus episode on Monday, that is the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show, where we review all of the conversation that happened during the Sunday talk shows. Again, takepoliticsseriously.com is where you need to go. And a reminder, you guys make the world go round. You don't hear me slinging mattresses. You don't hear me singing, slinging vitamin supplements or power massagers or bidets. Now, maybe one day I will, but right now it is totally paid for by you. And I appreciate that every single day of my life. TakePoliticsSeriously.com So let's let's bring this into full controversy and bring go. Karl Marx into the picture. Go, go. What's up, Carl? <laughs> uh, and just this idea that like uh, the um, commoditization of uh, the human body, like um, and this idea that there there is like a total economy within war. There's a total economy for the 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 like ultimate material which is us. Yeah. We are, we are the commodity and, and you're, you like bring up an interesting point in that there's like there, depending on nationality, there's a, there's a different value system or it's the same value system, but like certain, uh, certain nationalities have like a higher use value uh, than others. There's like, there's a moral, there's a moral situation there that's sort of uh heartbreaking that that would ever exist but you're right like i you know tra- and i especially notice that anytime i've traveled around the world it's like there's a certain clout to being an american it's like man if i ever got kidnapped it would be a big deal oh that's that's my favorite <laughs> my my favorite thing uh, uh, uh captain phillips the movie captain phillips should be renamed this is the privilege of being an american citizen <laughs> like because that dude screws up gets taken over by people who are destitute, absolutely destitute, living a life that if you saw somebody in your family living, you would immediately empty your bank account to rectify it. And, and uh, for all that, like we get, you know, the SEAL teams come in and the frog men are in the water and like, like take the shot, shoot that poor person. An American screwed up. Like uh, it's, it's insane. It's insane to, 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 to look at it like that. But that was, 
that was certainly look uh, the, the the privilege of being an American citizen is that if you screw up really bad in a foreign country, a SEAL team will come in and headshot your captor. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's uh, that's such an interesting thing. It, like I kind of struggle. My dad's from Ireland, so I, I grew up with sort of like one foot here and one one foot there, and um, it's it's sort of like warped m- my idea. Sorry, my Alexis. Being it's really, fine. Go ahead. Uh, it sort of warped my idea of like a national in either place. Yeah. But giving me a, an, a better idea of what citizenship involves. Um, and the dude, I, I think, uh, I don't know if this is much of a solution, but I think we should have some sort of like mandatory uh, national, um, so like it doesn't have to be military service, but like, uh, what is it? What isn't it? Israel, they do. Israel, they do two years for the boys, one year for the girls, but it is it is military service. Yeah. What do you think about? Oh, it's it has to be military it's, service. Yeah, no, it, be, it, like, it's in it's in the IDF. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, that might not be terrible, but like some sort of service at 18. Uh but what would so the goal to that would be to bind us more to the machinery that is America, and that way we would be more in in, in service point. to it. Yeah, that's that's a good point. There's like, have you been listening to Rage Against the Machine, Justin? Uh, dude, you have no dude, idea. They I, sold out, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> hopefully, they I eventually see them in a sold out Oracle Arena because I've oh, I've yeah. gotten tickets for them twice. Once when they were touring back in the day before they initially broke up with the Beastie Boys, one of the Beastie Boys broke their foot and in the meaning in the intervening time, Rage Against the Machine broke up. So I couldn't go see them then. No. Uh, and then I got tickets and you have no idea. One of my last nights out pre-COVID was at a, a karaoke room place in San Francisco called Yama Show. And all I did was sing Rage Against the Machine because I had just gotten Rage tickets. I was so excited. It was going to happen in the next two months. And the next thing you know. COVID comes around, uh, canceled once, canceled twice. And so theoretically, they're going to do it in 2022. And I don't care if I have to get vaxxed in my eyeball on the way into the <laughs> arena. I am going. Dude, we got to do karaoke sometime. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Rage Against the Machine Care. I've never heard somebody rage karaoke. Rage karaoke That's is so great. Impressive. Especially if you know people that also are like into it and everybody's yelling and screaming. It's it's uh, cathartic. It's beautiful. Uh, it, it's, it, it, it sustained me through a year and a half of, uh, of, of, of COVID isolation. That's rage for you. That's oh, uh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, man, it always reminds me of that lecture or the, the speech by the, like the gears in the machines and the odious machines. Yeah. Uh, um, God, what's, what's that guy's name anyway? Sorry. I don't know how we got there, but I, we're here. Yeah, all, all, and, and, and we, we can, we can begin to wrap up here. Like, uh, Ultimately, when I when I say bind us to the machine, I don't necessarily mean it in a negative way because gotcha. society is our machine, right? Like yeah. the, the very nature of why we are doing this right now, we're speaking over Zoom and everybody is going to hear us. Thousands of people around the world are going to hear us uh, uh, have this conversation is because of our society, because of our collective understanding. There is a worth to understanding what our where our place is in this ongoing dance and this organization that we call, you know, Western society, democracy, freedom, America, whatever, however we want to slice the thing that we identify the most with. Uh, I don't know how that interacts around the world. And I don't know how that interacts. And we didn't even wind up getting to the thing that, that was maybe another conversation we can have. Uh, How do we interact with people in pain? How do we interact yeah. with people who are screaming for our help, right? And, yeah. and and what is our moral obligation to help them? How many people need to say it before we believe that it is representative of enough of a sample size for us to go in? You know, the war in Iraq happened because there was a very well-connected, educated community of expatriates, Iraqi expatriates that were living in D.C. and London and we're lobbying very, 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 very hard since the end of the Gulf War to finish what America started and remove Saddam. That's why. And so it's like, okay, we now look at that 
through whatever lens we want to look at of, you know, to get back to rage, you know, war for oil or, or, you know, uh, uh, you know, any other thing. And I'm not saying that any of those things are, are, are true or false, but mechanically it was people in people who were, were coming as emissaries of Iraq saying, we desperately need for you to finish what you started. You came in, you arised, you know, uh, the, 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 the Kurdish Peshtun army, you told everybody to march on Baghdad. And since then it has been nothing but a decade of brutal torture and rape. And, and this is a moral obligation that you guys need to fix. And so we did. And, and, you know, now I don't know, is, is the world better for it? The Iraqi government still stands. Saddam is gone. Uh, uh, it, it again is not a, a perfect place, but is it a better place with, with Saddam not being there? I don't know. I have, I have, I have no idea. And, 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 you know, that came from people saying, please do this for us. But did they represent the us or were they just a bunch of rich kids who really wanted to live in London and DC anyway, but needed a pet cause to advance their careers? I, I have, I have no idea. That's a tricky one. That's a situation we are increasingly confronted by, which is uh, sort of what what I call the activist class. Yeah, which is like they're really they're really sort of have a tenuous relationship with truth, like because that's sort of in the nature of activism. This sort of like uh, like short sightedness that is intentional because you have to focus most of your attention on the cause yeah so like depending on what cause you're defending uh yeah you might not but the thing that stands out to me is like that you said with regard to people being in pain so when i hear that i think yes like like the Camus quote about how like there's a certain duty to the people who can speak to speak for the voiceless yes and I completely, I completely support that. I think that's something that we need to do. And that doesn't, I mean, there are obviously like very complicated variations on how we do that. So, uh, man, I, I don't know. <laughs> so that's, so, so that's what, happens, what happens, what happens when we hear from the voiceless and the voiceless says, kill this dictator. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, so oh, then yeah. what, would, then what do we do? And that, that brings me back to the kind of moral thing, but look, uh, uh, we can, we can go on and on, uh, 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 with this because it's philosophy. That's the point of it. It literally yeah. never ends. Uh, I have one more, one go, more thing to add ahead, if we have ahead. time. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and this relates to everything we taught. I feel like this is a good way to do it. Last time we were talking about critical theory, the text I didn't mention is probably the most important which is uh, Society of the Spectacle by Guy Debord. And I think everybody should read that because it's like, you know, it's, it's critical theory and it's, it's like sort of post-Marx, post-Marxist thought or post-Marxian thought, but uh, it's incredible because you start to see like the idea of the spectacle play out everywhere. And I think that's, that would be the theme of this conversation is what we're constantly confronting is the spectacle and we're trying to like, we're trying to understand the relationship it has with reality. And on top of that, we have to come to like a moral uh, determination. It's really a really tricky maneuver. Well, and, and this kind of gets me back to another larger thing. Then this is a, a thing I wrestled with in, in the world of journalism is, you understand very quickly that not everything is the same level of true. And the thing that you believe is true and, and, and clears uh, your, your rigid standards as a journalist, you get three people to see it. You have first person documentation. Uh, uh, that sometimes isn't true, right? People sure. lie, people hear a rumor and repeat it. They conflate it with what they really saw. The, the documents were, were altered or they weren't what you thought they were like, there is this nature uh, or this question that I that I consistently have where you mentioned before with activists and, and a tenuous relationship with the truth. Truth has a tenuous relationship with the truth. Like yeah. what, I think yeah. we throw that word around uh, a, a lot, a lot more than than it really exists. Like like we are we are constantly in search of what is real and what is true and what is real and what is true changes at such a rapid, uh, a, a rapid pace that that we we are we are constantly kind of chasing its tail the best thing that we can do is i mean almost 
focus more on testimony than we do on truth, right? That this is my perspective. I am saying this and then understand that that's not always going to bear out, you know, like, uh, uh, I guess if there's one thing that I do think that we could, we could focus a lot more on in this country is a, a reconciliation of our, of our understanding of blame, yeah. like blame. I feel like we're in a very big blame period in, yeah. in our, in our modern culture, our modern American culture that we, we are very quick to blame each other. We blame each other for not being educated. We blame each other for getting COVID. We blame each other for, for not always having the right opinion or, or not, or, or having the right opinion and, and then having a, a sprinkle of the wrong opinion. We are very, yeah. very, very, uh, blame seems to be our North star at the very least. We, we believe our world was too perfect and now we need to dive into these uh these 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 black and gray grease pencils to make sure that we get the shading right because it was too uh uh, uh too uh, stark before and and i i don't know if that necessarily gets us closer to understanting i i think it no, I it, it really it is does. just kind of pointing out of our window you know after sunset and screaming it's dark it's like yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's no, I agree. It's, it's not help, man. I feel like you and I, our consciousness is have like a, a mutual. <laughs> we like, found each other place. throughout throughout yeah. the universe. We finally found each other. That's right, man. Dude, great. Yeah, no, great point. I, I, God, once again, we're like, hey, let's talk about the nature of truth. Yeah, <laughs> it always comes back to the nature of truth. It always oh, it does. Sure does. Because Absolutely. that's because because honestly, I mean, I think like you know, from different perspectives. I mean, we were both uh, uh, you know journalists and writers, but that that is that is the drive. You know, I I've always said with journalism that every journalist on some level begins as a gossip because yeah. gossip is our first relationship with the hidden truth, yeah. the thing we don't talk about, and you it's know, primitive, it's or, primitive, or, very primitive. <laughs> Gossip goes back before we were really even a species. And by the way, I think it's the reason why people hate journalists. Because, oh, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, uh, everybody loves gossip. Everybody yeah. hates a gossiper. Everybody loves well the said. news. Everybody kind of hates journalists because ultimately the 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 act of journalism and and uh, you know you you practice a kind that is a little bit more. Uh, you know, has has its own protocols in in a way that isn't you know just showing up to a car accident and asking the person who's bleeding on the street what his name is and, and how old he is, but like uh, uh, that's that's ugly. That's hard. You know, that was that was the worst part of 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 the job when I was doing it is making those phone calls, making the phone calls to people or walking up unsolicited to somebody's house at their lowest moment and asking them questions <clears throat> about exactly how low they are. Uh, uh, that's, that's hard. But at the same time, how else do we know? How else do we like, you know, how, how else do we put together our universe? How else do we understand where we're supposed to be? Yeah. We like journalists ideally serve an important, uh, a lot of important functions. One of which is like the capturing of trends. So like one of the examples they gave in, in, in journalism school for, with me, was like, there was a woman whose uh, son who was who was gay killed himself because he was gay and he was bullied. Yeah. And uh, a journalist was talking to her about it. And she really for uh, her son's uh, honor and dignity. She didn't want those details published in a story. Yeah. So, so the journalist said, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And because of that, researchers were able to put together, hey, there is an issue in this certain region of uh, boys who are gay who are yep. killing themselves because they've been bullied. And it it allowed like the policy to come in and sort of uh, do what it could to fix that problem. And, and it I, but that, tricky, involves, <laughs> that involves the betrayal of a grieving mother's wish. Exactly. Like it is, yeah. it, it is a personal betrayal. And, and I've been on the phone. I've been on the phone with sources. Uh, uh, man, I, I don't know if I should even say his name, but at, at the time I was the uh, uh, editor in chief of the paper that I was at. Uh, this is in college at the daily orange. And there was a story on a basketball player 
who had a heartwarming story. It was a mom who worked really, really hard and, and, you know, got his, uh, uh, you know, uh, raised his, his, her boy up from uh, lesser means. And now he was, he was doing great at a top basketball program uh, at Syracuse in, in the nation and uh, a big heartwarming story. The player himself desperately did not want it to run and first berates the writer uh, uh, you know, and, and is personally insulted. Why would you call my family? Why would you call this, that, and the other? And then, and it just gets escalated and escalated and escalated and it goes to the managing editor and then eventually comes to me and, and the buck stops with me. And so he's calling me all kinds of names and, and, uh, you know, uh, brings it onto a, a, a racial level and, and a power oh. dynamic level. And, and like, I understood him. I understood him. And also, the mom picked up and she wanted to tell a heartwarming story about her son. And, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, I'm, I'm expressly, uh, uh, you know, disregarding the wishes of the main subject of the story. But my job is to make sure that this stuff gets out. If everybody else wants it to get out and, and he's allowed to say whatever he wants, he can put whatever would quote next to uh, uh, the story that he wants. He can, say that he he refuses to comment and he wishes nobody else would comment. He can say anything, but you know, that thing, which I did think, cause he was a very quiet guy gave fans of the team and fans of him a different look, uh, a more, uh, a, a three dimensional look at, at what it takes to be an athlete at that level. I think it was ultimately a good thing. It ultimately, you know, uh, explained to a lot of people who were, you know, by and large privileged white kids from a a private school, what what somebody else who was also their their classmate goes through. But I had to disregard this guy's wishes, and I had to I had I had to just sit on the phone and 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 take it. And I don't blame him. I don't I don't yeah. I understand his frustration. But that's yeah. that's you know when we really start talking about what is truth. What is out there? What is broadcastable truth? What is understandable truth? And and truth doesn't just seep through the crevices of the universe, right? Like you have to say it, you have to package it, you have to broadcast it or else people won't know. Uh, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, again, and then it gets back to the, to the, the, the simulacrum thing that you mentioned earlier. Really, was I giving an accurate portrayal of his life? Or was I just creating a simulation or, or shepherding forward a simulation that, that maybe forwarded the, the basic tenants that may or may not totally plug into how things happen? Uh, one of my editors said, uh, his, one of the sayings was, we didn't get to the truth, but we cornered the hell out of it. Yeah. And I think that's what the best you can do in journalism. And to bring this full circle to a simulacrum and the simulation, yeah. uh, his, you know, like most French postmodernists, he's pretty uh, critical of the media. Um, and but on the, he's got a chapter on the media in the book. And one of the things that he talks about is like the the like simultaneous inflation of information and the deflation of meaning. Yeah. And one of the one of the solutions that he talks about is the micromedia. The, like this, which he to him, all he could compare it to was pirate radio. Yeah, that's us, baby. That's yeah. you and me. <laughs> yeah, we can uh, we can get to the truth. Well, we can we can do it without the pressure, right? There's nobody yeah. saying for sure. You know, like, like full full transparency. Normally, these interviews go a half hour, and and I have a couple segments that that go ahead of it. And I was that's what I was going to do here, but the conversation was obviously not done, so we're going to keep going and now this is going to be the entire episode. And I did that in my head. I didn't yeah. have to record it and hope that I could edit it down to 30 minutes if my editor said, "No, we need to make sure that we get in these other segments because we've already done them and blah 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 blah." Like that is a that is a a a agility that that I have, but again, that's like something that, and we get back to the media idea that people need to understand how the media works. That matters in media. It matters in, for, yes. for Kevin and I, because we've both been in situations where that's not your decision. You can yeah. think that's your decision. And then you can run that up the flagpole and have them explain to you that you need to do more work or, or because you need to make it fit in this hole. Uh, and yeah. that's, that's what professional media is. But 
or even uh, like character counts or exactly you know li- all kinds of limits that, that's a good point no yeah it, there there there's a de- there is like an apparatus i think what we're doing is very much like uh sort of what like the language arts which is like which presupposes a deep understanding of grammar yeah so like in other words the rules so it's like uh, robert frost said to create poetry without rhyme and meter is like playing tennis without a net so i i think you and i like when we have these discussions we're talking about the game itself yes and we're like we sort of assume that everybody knows the, about the net yeah <laughs> like, uh, but and you're that, right and that's, and that's a hard thing i think whatever journalism starts to, you know, do their favorite thing ever, which is to, uh, dispense, which we literally just did. Like let's in our conversation about the morality of American foreign policy, let's really drill down to the center of this argument, which is us, uh, (laughs) the people who are talking about it. Uh, although actually now that I think about it, that does kind of connect, right? Because if, if all we know is the messenger's retelling of this thing, then shouldn't we understand what the messenger had for lunch and whether or not he's got a pebble in his shoe and, and whether or not his marriage is going well, because like that's going to affect how he, he retells the story that, 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 that affects how we understand it. That affects how our decision-making is. And that's, you know, when, when, especially at the beginning of the Trump administration, when uh, this became, the media became very, very sanctimonious about like, well, we're mm. reporting the facts. And it's like, I mean, are we, we're, 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 we're building an understanding on top of other understandings on top of other, other uh, understandings on top of other understandings. And now we get infinite universes of those because of the internet, because we have eliminated the, the physical requirement of it, that there's only so much airtime. There's only so much. A uh, uh, paper that you can print on. Now it's infinite. We can do everything, and it's like so. We get infinite versions and infinite interpretations of the the understanding, you know, uh, sandcastle that uh, that only gets higher and higher and higher. And I think the more we think it's sturdy, the the dumber we ultimately all are, are all. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a good thing. I like that. Like we and we've talked about it. Just like information fatigue. Yeah, and. Like the like the philosopher Byung-Chul Han's idea of like the, the burnout society. Uh, but I I think there 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 is a lot of good. And I think uh the the one of the ways to do it is to take value in the the individual relationship. Yes. Like uh I I think I'm uh, I'm in agreement with Jung in that like that's how you change a society. Uh, you know, you, you start out by like what happens in the individual happens in society. Yes. So like you might as well be good within yourself and, and to like the best of your abilities. And, you know, if everybody does that, you know, you change, you can change the society for the better. Um, and that's, that's, I, I think that, uh, uh, and this is where we will leave it. I think that ultimately is the saddest part of social media. And I do think social media yeah. ultimately is, is a tool for good, but the saddest part about it are two things. A, the degradation of our personal relationships for the totally worthless, larger collective righteousness yeah. that we're going to spit on our neighbor. We're going to create bad feelings for our cousins and our brothers and our uncles whether or not they're ultimately good or bad people, that's varies, right? Because everybody's their own version of, of, of good or bad, but that there could be a situation where people you would otherwise just get along with is now ruined because we need to, uh, we need to pay fealty to these larger ideas. And again, even if it's America, right? Even if it's yeah. it, 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 these things that like, okay, well, we're, 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 we're doing that because we need to owe this this uh this larger issue that's bigger than us and i don't know whether it's just like we stare into the vastness of the internet and we see the universe and that's why we cling to the biggest idea we can find we cling to capitalism we cling to socialism we cling to idea to these these uh, uh larger the democratic party and the republican party just because 
they're the only life raft we feel can 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 sustain us in in a universe of 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 infinite ink. Uh, yeah. uh, but it, it it really is it really is sad to me, and I do think that it does violate that general premise of like just be kind to the people around you. If you're kind to the people around you, like that does go further than trying to you know change the world by winning an argument uh, on on Twitter because you you called somebody a dumbass for not getting a vaccine, which like, I, I think that the more pe- more people are going to get a vaccine, if, if your goal, and I will say this nakedly, my goal is to get people vaccinated. I yeah. very much want that to happen. I genuinely believe I'm only going to be walking backwards by doing anything but showing kindness to yeah. people that refuse it and people that are hesitant about it. I'm not going to get into a situation where I'm going to say that you are dumb or stupid or bad because genuinely I don't believe that. I do believe that I think you should. I'm willing to have a conversation with anybody who wants to have a conversation about it, but generally that that's that's a a an element that I do think it is a, a micro that eventually adds up to a macro. I agree. Uh, and I think that's one of the uh areas that you and I share that are are like are unconscious is this idea that w- kindness is really what you should go with yeah man i love chatting with you justin great time kevin where can people find you uh the uh, underscore kevin underscore ryan on twitter it's uh mostly just me posting articles and uh kind of chirping about whatever i'm into (laughs) um does donda get released in august god i hope so i sounds awesome my rosary is is uh, pretty exhausted. You've <laughs> <laughs> been grinding that to dust. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, God. Oh, yay! Listen, if you're listening, yay. Yes. Uh, just drop. Just drop Donda. Please. We've had. We finally had the conversation. I know you've been holding out until Kevin and I had a conversation about philosophy and foreign policy and media, but uh, we finally did waiting. it. He was waiting. And and now we've fulfilled our end of the bargain. Please drop Donda. Uh, are you working on anything uh, feature wise? Uh, just just the book, which I'll we'll we can we'll talk the about book. that when we get trust closer. me, listeners. You're going to hear more about Kevin's book as he yeah, as he continues yeah. to work on it. Uh, uh, Kevin, thank you so much. Good to be here, man. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. This show was edited by Brett Stewart. If you'd like to say hello to Kevin Ryan, you can go on over to px3guest.com. The email that you can send us email at is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Our show's Twitter is px3tweets. Our Twitch is px3live. And our newsletter is at px3newsletter.com. Our podcast can be shared and found at px3podcast.com. And our merch is at politicsmerch.com. You can uh, support us with a one-time donation to paypal.me slash payjury on Cash App. It is px3cash. And for any kind of physical goods or checks, you can do so at P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. And if you would like to continue with our ongoing research into whether or not Venmo Cash is real, you can conduct your own experiment by sending me a dollar to Justin-Young-20. Of course, you can always get our bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss during our Wednesday-Friday free podcast schedule. And the $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the podcast, just like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier. Including Headphones Neil, Dr. G, Idris, The Government Unfiltered Podcast, 100 Mile Runner, Berkeley Stephen, Kathy Mag, Zombie Doc, D, Really? Methuselah, Honeythuckle, The Jen, Middle Age Mike, Dot Com, Junkie, Calamity, Zap, D, Laser, Lord Scale, De Quince, Anila III, and Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Utah, Jimmy Montana, Chad, David, Snuffies of Route 44, Charles, Olin and Angela, DL, Miranda Janelle, persons familiar with the matter, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners, 
Just Another Pilot, Frozen Summers, Jay, Pink, and Andrew. Again, you want your name on that list? Head on over to Take Politics Seriously and sign up for the $10 level. And that, my fine feathered friends, is it for the week. Hope you guys have a great weekend. I can't tell you what's going to happen on the show next week, except we may finally get to our negative campaign ad that has wound up getting bumped now for the last few weeks. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm just still putting things together coming off vacation. So uh, there'll be guests, there'll be politics, there'll be me, and there'll be you. And I'm excited for it. Till then, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh. you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.